Welcome to Eternal Impact, how biblical characters and stories have changed lives today. I'm your host, Aaron Matthew Kaiser. I believe you mean I am your host, Kenneth Allen Dickerson Jr. And today we're going to turn the tables. I am going to interview Aaron and we're going to learn about his favorite biblical character, how it has inspired Aaron's life, and more importantly, we're going to learn about Aaron's failures, but also his successes and how God has turned failure into success for the glory of his kingdom. As Aaron likes to say, let's jump right into it. Aaron, I'd like to thank you for welcoming me to this chaos. This is a fantastic setup, and I love your apartment. Thank you. And it feels weird to be on this side of the table. (laughs) Why don't you explain to the audience why you're on this side of the table? When I had finished editing the first episode, Mm -hmm. I had set out to, all right, I'm going to set a date, a hard date for release. Mm -hmm. And in that month, I gave myself a month, I'm going to record a bunch more episodes. And just because of the way scheduling happens, there's a lot of people who have accepted to be on the show, but their dates are either a little later out or uh, we just haven't confirmed a date yet. I'm like, how am I going to get someone last minute? No one could commit quickly enough. And so I thought I would just sit down and the topic today is something I was actually hoping to discuss with a guest that I don't think is going to come on to the show. I thought well maybe i'll talk about it Mm. and i'll just sit down and i'll just have a a me episode Mm. and the format change didn't feel right to just have me talking on my by myself sure and so the suggestion came that i would have to have someone interviewing me Mm. that is when i called you Mm. and asked if you would like to step into the host shoes and have me be a guest on my own show uh so that's the idea of of this episode Mm. is i wanted to have an opportunity to publicly talk about my testimony Mm. a little more and then also talk about my favorite biblical character Mm. and really when i started thinking about this character and the episode i was hoping to talk about this character on it really was what formed the basis for this show and how i thought that the show would actually come together sure and uh there was a lot of different things when i first started developing it it was just an idea where i knew i wanted to sit down with pastors Mm -hmm. and have like a a two-way sermon right but i wasn't sure how to go about what we would talk about Mm -hmm. i was thinking yeah i'll get a pastor on and then i didn't know if i should ask them what do you want to talk about? Give sure. me your sermon notes so I can prep. <laughs> or do I give them an assignment and right. go, we're going to be talking about X, get ready. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what the best way would go about. And then sure. someone said to me that, and I know I'm already getting into this, this show coming about. A little bit uh, inside baseball. A little before. inside baseball. So a friend of mine said, well, you know, it's not about the, the sermon that usually connects people. It's personal people's sure. personal stories. Mm-hmm. And that kind of hit me. Mm. I'm like, okay, personal stories, personal stories. Mm -hmm. And then the next week or two at Legacy, Mm. Josh was preaching on, uh, he's been going through Matthew, uh, Jesus's worldview. Right, the last five years. And and I think we had just hit Matthew 13. Mm. So it was the first parable of Matthew. The sower of the seeds. The the parable of the sower. I think that had actually been the week before, and the next week was about why the parables and it was Mm. where 
Josh talked about, and I referenced this in the episode with Aaron Stevens, that this was the first time that Jesus spoke in parables. And at that point, he spoke almost exclusively in parables. And it was like the importance of parables and how they play a role. And that was confirmation for Mm. me that it was about the stories. It was about relatability. And then all of a sudden, it just... It just finally came together mm. where I was like, okay, people's personal stories married with who in the Bible. Right. I have referenced this before, but I've got a pastor who says that he doesn't understand Paul mm. at all. Interesting. Because he gets Peter. Because Peter's okay. constantly sticking his foot in his mouth and speaking before he thinks, Certainly. acting before he thinks. And just getting in trouble by being impulsive. Right. And so the pastor says, I don't get Paul, but I get Peter because I'm Peter. I've had sermons that have hit me because, mm. like, I remember there's one point in my life I I was in this really, I, I was in a, a moment of failure. Sure. That uh, we'll, we'll actually kind of talk about oh, yes. that a little bit more later. Oh, trust me. I've got lots of notes about your failures. <laughs> <laughs> All about my failures. <laughs> I remember driving. I was actually driving uh in the car with my dad for a vacation mm. in Missouri to see family and we're a driving vacation out in Missouri there. sounds awful and I had a well <laughs> that's why I say misery loves company well it was, you know the family was fun sure I was in this really low place emotionally and we're driving out and I was listening to a sermon podcast from my old church right. and it was about Gideon mm. And the pastor was able to relate me to him in a way Mm. that I had never related before. Mm. And how you really look at the scripture and you see when he's like, no, I need you to to prove like, you know, I'm going to put out the fleece and it needs to be wet and everything else dry. And he's like, no, 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 it's still like, now I'm going to put it out again. And now it needs to be dry and everything else wet. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that he didn't trust that it was God Mm. sending him. He didn't trust that God was sending him. him. Yeah. He had self confidence issues. Oh, sure. And that is the thing that I struggle with the most Mm. is not confidence in my skill set, but confidence that I will succeed Mm. confidence that I will be able to follow through and have something that mean something that right. will maybe even provide an income. I am I'm doing this show right now on complete faith. Sure. All of these things came together mm-hmm. from how I related to Gideon to how my pastor, you know, related to Peter instead of Paul. Sure. Like and then also what my other friend said and then what Josh said in his mm-hmm. sermon, everything came together mm-hmm. and the idea was born. Oh, fantastic. And that moment, I just started pushing forward and Mm. started. I put together a pitch deck initially just Mm. so I could communicate my vision of what I wanted to do Mm. to myself, let alone to anyone else. There were some things I wanted to do initially that God said no. Mm. In fact, I was supposed to record in April, Mm. and I was going to do two episodes. I was going to do it in a studio down the road from here, Mm. a really nice, prestigious, expensive studio. Oh, yes. And I was going to raise money. I was only going to do eight episodes. Sure. It's going to be one season, limited, limited run, yes, eight yes. episodes. I was going to get the people I wanted. Right. And very quickly, that shoot 
didn't happen mm. at all. So what you're saying is all the rest of these guests are just the, the bargain bin that you, you No, didn't really it, want it's not the bargain bin. It's I had an idea mm-hmm. of what I wanted to do with right. this. I wanted to be in a place that I could basically show off. It's like, look at the studio right. I'm in. Ah, uh, yes. Look at the production value I've done. Look at me. It, yes. It, I don't think I realized it at the time. Mm. I don't even think until maybe right now. But yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of what I wanted because I sure. am a perfectionist. Sure. As I like to joke around a lot, I am a chronic overachiever. Mm. And I wanted things to be perfect. Mm. And I think God didn't allow those first two episodes mm. to happen the way that because it would have forced me to do something that he didn't want me to do. Sure. And instead, I, literally, it was two or three days beforehand. I had been told by the studio, oh, that should be fine. That should mm. be fine. But they had someone out sick. Right. And it wasn't until about three days beforehand that they said, yeah, we're not going to be able to host you. Mm. And God's like, hold on. This isn't the direction I want anyway. And so he very quickly changed the limited eight episodes because some of the people I wanted on were either saying no or just not available. Right. And then it forced me to go, well, who would be the other eight? And then I then refilled my list of eight. And then I started having people going, you need to talk to my pastor. Mm. You need to talk to this pastor over here. Like it, it started broadening my horizons of who I would bring in. Sure. And then even to the point where initially I was going to be very tight on doctrine. Mm. And now I'm, I have a statement of faith on my website right? and it covers the Trinity, Mm -hmm. God, Jesus, salvation, Mm -hmm. man, sin. Right. That's it. Doesn't talk about any of the superfluous stuff. Mm. Doesn't talk about gifts or tongues or anything. Women preachers, all those sorts of things. Stuff like that. And I knew there were a few things that I wanted. I wanted to have, I didn't want to be checking boxes, but I knew I wanted some diversity. So it wasn't just all old white guys on the show. And then I do actually have a couple of female guests lined up. Oh, great. Whether or not you agree with them being pastors, there Mm -hmm. are women that run ministries. Sure. I do have a couple there. And basically one of the things I'm doing, one of my upcoming guests is a pastor of a new church and it's Assemblies of God flavor. Hmm. And there's a few things. Assemblies of God flavor. That's an interesting way of wording that. Um, Well, so yeah, I don't know how closely tied to the denomination they are, but there are a few things that we might not agree with. Sure. But the core doctrine. Right. And I actually, I go back to Josh. He talked about how when Legacy started, there was an Assemblies of God church Mm. in Pasadena that gave the church a bunch of money. Sure. And he was dumbfounded because he was like, we don't agree on a lot of the same things. And they're like, yeah, but we see what God's doing and we want to bless you. Sure. And I grew up Baptist. Mm. Hey, so did I. I consider myself non-denominational now, Mm. but I will never sit under doctrine I don't agree with. Sure. If there's off, I I will not go anywhere near it. Right. But this was an area I think God wanted me to stretch. Mm. To Even coming to LA, there were certain things that I had to realize that, yeah, I don't know that I agree with the Baptists on some of the gift sure. things. In fact, I remember there were things that some of the pastors at my Baptist church, which is a solid church, mm. they would give us these questionnaires on mm. the spiritual gifts And then they would say, 
the further you are, you know, in Christ, the more you're going to be like all of these are going to increase. Hmm. And that is bad doctrine. Oh, yes. That is really bad doctrine. I believe that God, when we become saved, God gives us one gift sure. that he wraps our new personality around. And, you know, there's three main places that gifts are mentioned. In right. This. And one of them aren't really gifts, they're just offices. And that was what I was going to say. One is gifts, mm. your primary gift. One is offices. Mm. And then the last one is manifestations. Right. Some people like to confuse those, but sure. that's what I believe. Right. And there may be people that want to come on the show mm. that might disagree with that a little bit, but that's not what this show is about. Sure. This show is about the gospel and the people and the stories. Right. And as long as we agree on the basics, mm. the, that's why the statement of faith is there. Sure. Because it's like, look at the statement of faith. Do you agree with this? Mm. If there's something here you don't agree with, then I don't want you on the show uh-huh. because you're not preaching the actual gospel. Sure. This is just about man, God, salvation, the mm. Trinity, the basics. Well, if you ever find somebody that you agree with 100%, be a pastor or politician, you're probably being lied to. I'm very excited for when I get to heaven and I find out all the ways I've been wrong. Right. It'd be, very, it'd be very enjoyable. It's what was the, the quote? It's like, don't major in the minors. Right. Oh, I think uh, Augustine said it best when he said, or if you prefer, the, the common layperson of Augustine, when he said, uh, what was it? Uh, in the essentials, let there be unity, in the non essentials, let there be charity, and all things. Said that wrong. Nope. It was, in the essentials, let there be unity, in the non essentials, let there be liberty, and all things, let there be charity. There we go. That's what he said. <laughs> And I have no idea how it works in Latin, which is what he was probably speaking. Veni, vedi, visa. We <laughs> came, we saw, we shot. <laughs> vedi, vedi, deus viset. We came, we saw, God conquered. <laughs> hey, speaking of God conquering, how'd you come to Jesus? Oh, okay, so this is fun. Um, growing up, my mom, my, my parents were saved. Mm. Uh, we went to, it was at the time, Scott Memorial, eventually Shadow Mountain Community Church with Dave Jeremiah. Although at the time, I think it was Tim LaHaye was the oh, pastor there. That's fantastic. And apparently my mom led me to Christ when I was three years old. Sure. But I don't remember that moment mm. at all. Mm. I have no memory of it. It didn't impact my life. Sure. In fact, I remember going to church and finding it boring. Sure. You're a kid. The main church was boring. Right. Children's church, we had like a separate children's church right. thing. That was boring. I don't remember as much about the Sunday school. Mm. I, I remember that being separate from children's mm. church, but it just, everything was boring. Sure. And at a certain point, my dad stopped going to church mm. and I fought with my mom because I didn't want to go. Well, sure. dad doesn't have to go. Why do I have to go? Right. And so around, I'd say probably third or fourth grade. So let, let's just say third grade, we stopped going. Okay. My mom finally gave up. And I often say that this really highlights the importance mm. of men in the family and their influence. Mm. Your children see what you do. Right. If you are not prioritizing God, Mm -hmm. you're not praying, Mm -hmm. you're not reading the word, you're not going to church, Mm -hmm. your children will feed off of that. Sure. That's one thing I've always been grateful about uh, to my parents for is from basically birth until pretty much the day I left home, we always had an evening devotional and we always did uh, prayers of family. It was just mom, dad, and me. 
Uh, and so dad would usually read, but every once in a while I'd pop in with, with my, my squeaky high-pitched voice <laughs> at the time. So fast forward about three, four years. Okay, so about tw- 11 or 12? Yeah, so it's the summer before seventh grade, okay. which is exactly 30 years ago this last summer. Fantastic. So 30 years plus two or three months. Mm. It was the summer before go- going into seventh grade. Mm-hmm. My brother and I were off at Boy Scout camp. Mm. And the last day was a Sunday. Sure. And our parents came to pick us up. And I, I distinctly remember this conversation. Mm. They said, guess what we did today? What? What'd you do? We went to church. Good for you. We're going back next week. Have fun. You're going too. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I'm not going to church. It's mm. boring. Yes, you are. Mm. You're going to church. Mm. I think it is needless to say, but I went to church the next Sunday. (laughs) They exercised that parental authority. Yeah. What I didn't know was that the junior high ministry, Mm. you know, it's made up of seventh and eighth graders and boys and girls. And after the main service, and I remember feeling so nervous. Mm. I didn't know anyone. Mm. I was afraid it was going to be boring. Mm. I just was not looking forward to it at all i did not want to be isolated and Mm. disconnected i didn't have community like i just i didn't i was going into an unknown it's like the first day at a brand new school so i went in and there was a combined service Mm. and then what i didn't realize was they split off into four groups Mm. seventh grade girls seventh grade guys eighth grade girls eighth grade guys Mm. and there were like different places that i guess they went and they didn't they didn't clarify that, mm. or I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. The church we were at had an upper campus mm-hmm. and a lower campus. Mm-hmm. And the where my parents were going to be were in the lower campus, mm-hmm. and my brother and I were at the upper campus. Okay. And the junior high and the elementary areas were right across from each other. So I was supposed to, after the thing, because I was old enough to remember the campus right. vaguely, sure. I was supposed to grab my brother, mm-hmm. take him to where my parents were, mm-hmm. and then we would meet up for the main service. Right. Since I didn't realize I was supposed to go with the seventh grade guys, Mm -hmm. I went over to where my brother was Mm -hmm. and I was like, where is he? He's late. What's going on? Now, mind you, my brother is in fourth grade. Sure. Going into fourth grade. So he's not very old, but I'm I'm blaming him like he's late. He's like, what's going on? Where is he? Why isn't he out here? Where is everyone? He's goofing off somewhere. He's goofing off. I didn't realize I was incredibly early. Sure. And as I'm sitting there waiting, the junior high pastor, John mm. Ruhlman, comes out, who he um, he recently passed away. Mm. I would have loved to have him on this show. Sure. John came out, and he's like, hey. he I guess he had recognized me inside or, or right. maybe just recognized I was the right age. He goes, sure. what are you doing out here? Mm. And I said, I'm waiting for my brother. He's late. He's like, no, you were supposed to go. Go with the, I was like, oh, I didn't realize. Right. And they were doing what they called an afterglow that night, sure. where they were playing Capture the Flag in the Upper Campus Love Chapel that. parking lot. Great game. And he, it sounded like fun. Sure. And I think it was, <laughs> looking back, it's like the, the things you don't realize at the time, but now mm. there's wisdom. You're like, okay, God was in that. Oh. Because what I didn't like about church before was that it was boring. Oh, sure. This was not boring. Ooh, right. I think I felt neutral about mm. the service itself, right. that, that main part, but 
that was exciting sure. and fun. Sure. And that was exactly what I needed at the time. Mm. I don't remember if this is true, but my memory serves that I went to my mom and she used some reverse psychology. And I said, Mom, I want to go to this thing. And she's like, oh, I don't know. All right, you can go. <laughs> and I went and I had fun and I got plugged in. Fantastic. And I remember it was so funny because I'd go through the the Bible and the only verse I remembered was John 3.16. Because sure. I'd been in Awanas when right. I was younger. Oh, Awanas is great. But that was the only verse I was like, I remember this verse right. about God loving the world. And I'm like, I can't figure out. It's like I looked at First John, Second John, and Third John. It's not mm. in any of those. Mm. They're like, no, it's St. John. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. Mm. And at some point that summer, mm. so I, I wish I knew when, mm. but around 30 years ago now mm. they were doing an outreach i remember sitting on the floor and they basically did an altar call they mm. gave an invitation and i remember thinking and well praying god i know i know we're good you know not not good versus bad but right. like hey we're, we're good with each other right, right? Yes. We're, there, there's nothing slang good yes. slang good and i'm like god I, I i know we're supposed to be good but uh because i remembered my mom telling me i got saved sure. at three i'm like I, I know we're supposed to be good but but just in case i'm gonna pray this right and i i prayed that prayer and my life changed mm. i became a little overzealous <laughs> All kids do. Uh, eighth grade year was the right. first year that see what the poll happened, oh, which sure. I don't know if that's still going on. Uh, it was when I was a kid, but also, you know, that was three yeah. years ago now. For those that don't know, see what the poll was basically there was like one day a year where the kids would show up to school an hour early, right. stand around the, the poll hand in hand, praying for the school, right. praying for each other, praying for the nation. Mm -hmm. And that first year, I was the only person in my junior high. I showed up and one of the teachers comes up like, what are you doing this early? I'm like, oh, I'm here for see you at the poll. They're like, are you sure you're at the right place? Mm. Like, it's every school. It's it's my school. Right. And I literally was the only one. I remember being there for an hour just praying. Mm. I was in Christian club. Uh, I, t I talked in the first episode about how I even started a rival Christian club. Oh, yes. yes. I did air band. I mean, it, it was, I would do street evangelism in our mall. Sure. Like I would do the entire Romans, you right. know, the, the Romans two cliffs, road, right, right. where you're over here mm -hmm. and then God's over here and you can't. The cross is the Yeah, the, Jesus yeah, is the cross. Yeah. Moving from junior high into high school, it was actually funny because the junior high pastor became the high school pastor mm. at the same time i went from junior high to high school oh, so century. i was with him for over six years mm. and he was such a foundational uh person in my life mm. he was the first person to put me in a leadership mm. and teaching position mm. because we had student run bible studies mm. oh, wow. that we called platoons <laughs> we, we had dog tags and everything oh, they're wow. actually in one of my boxes over here that I need to go through is pull out my dog tag sure. and say platoons. But we had a, so I was a platoon leader and we had an assistant platoon leader mm -hmm. and then we'd have an adult coach that would make sure we were doctrinally sure. on task. Sure. And I know that he had told some other pastors when I finally had moved on from the ministry, right. he said, yeah, Aaron had one of the strongest platoons that we'd seen. Oh, nice. So, he was the first person to believe like, and I wasn't even looking for it at the time. Mm. And I, I think there was probably a little FOMO. I wanted to, you know, belong and be sure. kind of a cool, you know, leader kid. I right. think I knew that there was leadership potential in me. Right. Like without 
consciously realizing it, but the fact that he saw it and that he allowed it to be developed Mm -hmm. and it really set the stage. In addition to that, he also focused a lot on apologetics. We were doing missions trips to Salt Lake City Mm. to go door to door in Mormon neighborhoods. Oh my goodness. I'm sure that went really well. Oh, it was hilarious because we go to like the little old lady would invite us in to distract Aww. us and then call down the, the street. Of course. So that no one else would answer the door. Of course. And it was really funny. I mean, I, I learned about Mormons at an mm. early age, mm-hmm. Mormonism. I learned about Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. I, I learned a, a lot about defending my faith. Sure. It really informed a lot of who I became Good. as an adult. And a lot of the values that I espouse now, I don't think I would really be able to do this podcast if right. not for John. Sure. And apologetics are, are kind of a, an undervalued, I think, uh, attribute in today's Christian society. Uh, where, but if you're going to under, if you're, if you're going to stick your kids out in the middle of the world, if you're going to say, "Hey, go to public school," or "Hey, eventually go to college," or something like that, and you're not going to give them the tools to understand their faith, to understand how to reasonably think about their faith, you're basically setting your kids up for failure. Well, and apologetics isn't about evangelism, no, as much as it is knowing why you believe right. what you believe. Exactly, it's evangelism to the person, to yes. the, the Christian. I've seen other people, in fact, people who were the leaders of the Christian club in high school that have rejected Christ today as an adult. Sure. And I see that. And to me, it's so sad. And, but because of the foundation I've got, it's like, I, I have zero doubts of who Christ is. Sure. There is no way anyone can knock that pedestal down. That's fantastic. Well, Aaron, thank you for sharing your testimony with us. Uh, I see. Oh, actually I have a a couple questions real quick. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. If you're willing to be upfront and honest about it, uh, in your assessment of, let me try to read my handwriting here a little better. <laughs> let, let me get my, my... Get your reading glasses My out. cheaters, exactly. Yeah. If you want to be totally upfront and honest about the assessment of where you are uh, and how important your faith is compared to... How important is your faith now compared to where it used to be? Uh, I'm actually kind of glad you asked that because... Mm. So I've been saved for 30 years. Right. Most of my growth has been in the last seven to eight years. Okay. To the point where there were certain things that I was doing. Mm. There were certain masks I was wearing. Sure. Growing up, I saw my dad wearing masks mm. in terms of we had so much spiritual warfare in the home mm. that the four of us going to church would be arguing, yelling, mm. throwing things in the car. <laughs> and then we would get out and my dad would be all smiles. Sure. And I just saw that as being so fake. Right. And I don't know how much of that really was just even the enemy putting that on me. Right. But that is how I, as a child, interpreted it. Sure. And so a lot of, even when he would tell me that he was proud of me, I was like, yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, sure. Like, mm. you care. Mm. And it caused such dysfunction between mm. us. But fast forward, I had told myself, I'm never going to wear a mask. Right. And to the point where I actually started doing it the other way around where I felt like I was real and genuine at Mm. church Mm. and that is who I really was. Mm. But then I would go out and I'm what's considered a, I think the term is a a brittle networker Mm. where I have, I don't just have one small social group. Mm. I have a lot of social groups Mm. 
And this happens all the time where I'll have person A from group A Mm -hmm. and person B from group B will randomly meet Mm -hmm. somewhere in event C. Sure. And they go, oh, wait, we have Aaron as a mutual. How do you know Aaron? Mm. Oh, I know him from church. How do you know Aaron? Well, I know him from this thing over here. And it's completely separate. Sure. And I have lots of different things and I can get connected into community with different people very quickly. Sure. And because of just my personality and... And whatnot, but I found myself when I was not at church, I didn't have accountability, both in social groups, mm. especially if there was like someone in that social group that I was physically attracted to mm. or on dates. Right. And I've had the point where multiple times where I hope that that person who I've been very crass with doesn't find out I'm a Christian. Oh, sure. Or that person I've been very sexually suggestive with doesn't find out I'm a Christian. Mm. Or this person I'm trying to be sexual with doesn't Mm. find out. Or this group over here that I act this certain way. Mm. And so it was these masks I was wearing in the world to try and fit in. Mm. And I would tell myself that I am being relatable to them mm. because all things, all people, as Paul all said. things, right. That that's, but that's not really the context. No. And I was excusing my sin mm-hmm. and I, I, I come to this point where I would meet a woman. Mm-hmm. And part of this was because I was now getting older and not married. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the social things that we have, in America of getting married later is actually not detrimental. what God detrimental. It's yeah. not what God intended. Yeah. And I tried, you know, remaining a virgin until I was married and that mm. lasted until I was 30. Mm. I had gotten to a point where I was like, well, if God really wanted me to remain a virgin right. or not have sex, he would have got, let me had a wife already. Sure. sure. It's, want, it's his fault, not yours. I, exactly. <laughs> it's every single time that we sin, right. you know, even you go know, back to the garden of Eden. Right. The, the woman like, you put here. Exactly. Yes. You gave her to me. Right. She caused me to do it. It's your fault That's because right. you gave her to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had part of my dreams was I, I wanted to be married and have kids by the time I was 25. Sure. It's weird, but I wanted to be able to have one of those marriages where we were old enough to celebrate a 50th yeah. anniversary. Yeah. And now I'm like, there's, if I got married today, you might get a 30th. I might get a 30th. I just, I might still have more years ahead of me than sure. behind me, right. depending on how much of this weight I can lose and sure. how well I can take care of myself. But I now have concerns like when I do have a daughter, will right. I be alive to walk her down the aisle? Right. Will I be alive for different things? Sure. Um, I have the same concern. I understand. Anyway, that was something I wanted and it wasn't what I guess God wanted. And so I started acting out of how I wanted to live and not how God wanted to live. Right. And I feel really ashamed about this, but I would meet a woman and I, and I had this happen more than once, mm. but I'd meet a woman mm. and there'd be some initial chemistry. Like, they, okay, there's something here, mm. whether it's romantic or not would remain to be seen, but there was some chemistry. Sure. And then I'd find out she's not a believer. Mm. And in my mind, I started having, I started debating with myself, mm. am I going to try and talk to her about Christ Mm. or am I going to try and sleep with her Mm. and hide that I'm a Christian? Sure. That I, God convicted me Mm. 
big time. Mm. I mean, I, I remember sitting in one of my churches listening to the sermon, knowing that I had plans to meet up with someone that night mm. after church, mm. and I was hoping something would happen with sure. them. And I had heard stories about people who had been in ministry, like evangelists, right. things like they would lead people to Christ and then they would start messing with like the girls right. and they just died right. out of the blue. Right. And it wasn't audible, but I do believe God specifically said to me, this is detestable. Mm. You are playing with people's salvation. Mm. If you do not stop, I will take you out. Hmm. I've talked about this before where, you know, some people like to say, oh, well, fear of the Lord means just respect him. No, no. Sometime, <laughs> sometimes it does. Sure. Sometimes it means fear. Sure. And that is probably the first time in my life I got the fear of the Lord in hmm. me. Absolutely. And I was terrified that God was going to strike me dead. Sure. Which is, even in the New Testament, with Ananias and Sapphira, we have that exact same, I mean, not, not with sexual sin, but they died because they sinned, and the fear came over the entire church. Fear of the Lord is indeed sometimes. Sometimes fear. Yeah. And so I felt convicted, and I was like, okay, God, what do I do about it? Right. And he brought to mind, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Mm. If your right eye mm. offends you, pluck it out mm. and then he gave me application he said you are two different people mm. there are two versions of you mm. you need to put this Aaron that is in the world to death mm. he needs to die mm. like it needed to be this striking contrast of right. there are two versions of you you are wearing a mask but it's not the church one that's a lie it's right. this world one mm. that person needs to die and you need to be one solidified person mm. everywhere mm. for the most part i am now the same person in every social circle that's fantastic and part of that has been actually talking about the gospel on mm. social media mm -hmm. even this show mm -hmm. i go into networking things and they're like what are you doing oh i've got this podcast well mm. what's your podcast about oh it's about how i sit down with pastors and talk about their you know what biblical, you know, so immediately I'm, I'm setting up, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. So now I have to make sure I'm on my best behavior sure. because the tendency to sin again is right. so strong. One of the other things that happened at that same point was we we're talking about the, you know, they're the, the two people that came to, to Jesus about following him. And one's like, well, let me go do this first. Right. And Jesus is like, no, let the dead bury their dead. You come follow me now. Mm. Oh, you no, you go, go home, deal with your father's house. It was that entire thing. And also about the cost of carrying the cross. And, right. and I had always envisioned that God would use my speaking gift, mm. but I thought it would be far out. Well, once I'm a successful yeah. filmmaker, sure. churches are going to invite me mm. And I'm going to give a guest thing, and mm. then half their congregation will find out wasn't even saved because I led them. To, <laughs> literally, they, it goes back to the same thing about it. it's all me. Sure, sure. And I thought, well, God needs me to be successful in order to use me. Mm. And it was kind of one of those things where in that moment, in that night, I remember. And it was funny because it was in the same place where just a few 
months, maybe even a few weeks prior, mm. I had been itching to get out of there so I could sin. Mm. And now God's telling me, no, not in the future. Now mm. you need to be ready now. Mm. And if I called you to speak now, you don't have the life. Mm. And so it was like all of that was happening at the same time. And, and it was part of what God was using. To, I think actually that happened first. And then through that, through me realizing I wasn't living the life that would be able to be used at that moment, mm. that God started pulling everything out mm. and, and tearing apart my life and rebuilding it. Sure. It's the point where I had gone from having repented of my sins to now surrendering my will to Christ right. and, and actually having him be my Lord and not just my Savior. Right. And it was interesting because it's this two-year process, and then my mom, who was already terminally sick, mm. um, she had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis since she was five. Mm -hmm. She'd been in remission when my parents married. Right. And then after my parents divorced, when I became an adult, uh, her health got progressively worse to right. the point where she went from a cane to a walker to mm. a wheelchair and a scooter to being bedridden mm. and then in one of her trips to the hospital she was not in a good bed and she wasn't getting turned and she mm. developed a pressure ulcer oh, uh, basically an open bed wound and, yeah a bed yeah. sore yeah. and the doctors were like basically this is like having cancer without having cancer mm. she had originally wanted to donate her body to science and science would not take her body <laughs> so we ended up cremating her and, mm. and illegally spreading her ashes. <laughs> um, we'll cut that part out. No, it's it's actually in a vlog. It's on my YouTube channel. Uh, before my mom got sick, mm. all of my grandparents had passed. Mm. And at my grandmother's memorial service, I asked to speak. My grandmother had gotten saved literally days or weeks I think days before she died. Wow. And I didn't find out until after she passed. And my grandfather had also gotten saved just a few years before he mm. passed. Mm. At my grandmother's memorial service, I was trying to figure out how do I honor my grandmother while also preaching the gospel. I didn't right. know how solid of a thing it was, but mm. I, there was just something in me that was like, I have to preach the gospel. Right. And I literally found a way to have a five-minute sermon. Oh, wow. I timed it. It was under five minutes, and it tied in... Mm. Because uh, she had had this thing where she had these garden tomatoes. Mm. And uh, she didn't have a garden, but if people gave her garden-grown tomatoes, they were her absolute favorite. Mm. And if she let you have some, mm. she was sharing her physical love with you. And this is oh. before she was saved. Sure. And I forget exactly how I did it, but I tied something about like the seed of the tomato into the plant and mm. the vine. Mm. And then I somehow tied that into the tree that crossed was crucified. I, I found some masterful way <laughs> to just present the gospel in five minutes and mm. then... I literally had gone to a farmer's market and got a bunch of, as close as I could get to garden tomatoes. And I had a bag of like 30 tomatoes. And I said, these are the gift for you. And it was just, it was completely honoring to my grandmother, mm. but it was the gospel. Mm. Fantastic. And I don't know if it planted seeds. Mm. I don't know if, if anyone like in their heart, you know, anything, but it was just this little thing and, and, you know, got a few comments, especially my mom. Mm. She was like, that was... And so when she got sick, she's like, you're going to give this, the mm. sermon at my service. Mm. She had been sick for most of a year. And 
and I was living here in LA and she was in San Diego and I would drive down to see her constantly like sure. every weekend and for at least a day or, you know, a few hours and on the drive back, I nine times out of 10 would be just crying. Mm. The mercy me song. Um, even if yeah, was my anthem during mm. that time. Mm. And I would just, you know, cause it was like, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now I'm losing bad. Right. And I just would cry through that song and I would cry thinking about my mom dying, knowing she was dying. And it was interesting because I didn't really cry when she died because I had already mourned her. Mm. I knew what was coming sure. and I would think ahead on what that sermon would be. So I mm. was preparing what I might want to say. Mm. And I don't know how much of that actually made it into the sermon, mm. but, um, but I, I preached the gospel at Good. her memorial service. Good. And there were even things where we were having trouble getting her to get the care she needed at mm. the facility. Sure. I was like, okay, I need to step in. Yeah. And at first I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this facility director do X, Y, and Z for right. my mom? Right. And I, to the point where I was actually considering hiring a private investigator oh. to try and catch him doing something. <laughs> And not that I wanted to blackmail him, right? but it was almost a power play to mm. show I could. Mm. Here's all the photos. Just treat my mom. Like, that's what was going on in my sure. mind. And I even had friends at church go, yeah, maybe you should. It's for your mom. Right. And I'm like, you're literally telling me to blackmail someone right. so that they treat my mom better. Right. I'm like, how is that the love of Christ? And then I also knew that my mom wanted the memorial service there at that facility. Mm. And I'm thinking, if I blackmail him and then go, oh, and I'm, we're doing a sermon, I preach the gospel, how much of a hypocrite am I? Yeah. So I really prayed about how do I do it? Right. And I just, I went down there. I still kind of did the, like I dressed up in my suit and sure. I'm like, let's have a talk. And, right. you know, but I was like, I'm, I'm kind of taking over my mom's care. Right. And uh, I want to, what, what problems are going on? Let's solidify them. I'm like, we have a list of issues. Mm-hmm. And we talked through him. He goes, oh, yeah, that's not a problem. Oh, you need that? Oh, that nurse isn't doing too well? Oh, yeah, she's she's off the shift. Your, mm. your mom won't see her again. Mm. I, literally everything that we needed, boom, mm. boom, boom. And then there were a couple of things. It was like, oh, yeah, she needs to, to do this. And, right. and so it was accountability for my mom. But her last few weeks were, were a lot more comfortable because I had come in and had been peaceful. Mm. I didn't know the verse at the time, but as long as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Mm. And even not knowing that verse, it was living out that verse mm. and being able to to stand up in that facility and preach the gospel to some of the workers, some of the other patients, mm. to my family. Mm. Um, and there, there were people in all camps that I know that were there that were hearing the gospel in a clear plain way that still as i did with my grandmother related back to my mom Hmm. and honored her in the process sure and i i know it was what she wanted Hmm. and um and it was like those two years had been leading me Hmm. to that moment sure i mean i i went through some hard times sure after that um which i think relates a bit more to my biblical character. Ooh, what an excellent time to transition to that then. Who is your biblical character? John 
also known as Mark. Oh, or is my. it Mark also known as John? No, John, John also Mark. called Mark. John mm-hmm. Mark, yeah. It, it's more John slash Mark. Right. John is his Hebrew name, and Mark is his Greek name or right. Roman name. Right. And so he was known as both. Mm-hmm. You, you see that with some other characters that went by multiple names oh, sure. as well. But uh, John Mark... Now, it's interesting, by the way, before you transition, that you picked John Mark because you are named after two biblical characters, two strong biblical characters. Aaron, obviously the brother of Moses, the first high priest, who, who uh, you know, famously screwed up at the golden calf when he listened to the people and decided to go their way as opposed to God's. And Matthew, who was the outcast of the disciples uh, because he was a tax collector, uh, essentially a traitor working for the Romans. So I, I'm curious, I'm curious, why did you pick John Mark as opposed to your two namesakes? Aaron would be a, a good one. Mm. I remember when I was younger, I was pretty shy. Mm. I wouldn't even go to my best friend's house, you know, the next door over, right. and ask if he would come out to play. And so my parents got me over that, and I haven't shut up since. <laughs> so there, there's a certain point where, uh, in fact, I even for a while thought Aaron meant the mouthpiece of God. Mm. It actually means like the high mountain or something oh, sure. like that. But uh, I, I thought it was that and i thought that fit perfectly Mm. uh but i don't really other than just having a speaking gift Mm. i don't relate to aaron okay and i've never really looked that much into matthew Mm. i think it's interesting that the chosen shows him as being on the spectrum right which they believe dallas Mm. jenkins believes is like if you really look at the scripture there's some basis for that I, i can see the evidence but the thing with John Mark is he, oh man, he messed up mm. big time. He is a failure. Thank God the Bible's full of failures. Right. Well, and that's what's so beautiful about the Bible is it shows everyone's entire story, warts and all, mm. which is part of how we know it's true. Right. And not just... All these supermen you can never achieve to be exactly. like. Even the heroes of the Bible mm. are flawed individuals. Oh, sure. That lied, mm-hmm. that sometimes cheated. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? There is one good marriage in the entire Old Testament. Do you know who it is? Adam and Eve? <laughs> no. This, <laughs> this woman you gave me? <laughs> no. From, from what I've been reading recently, Isaac and Rebecca. Okay. Because, I mean, yeah, they still lied to Pharaoh uh, about their relationship, but they got found out because they were laughing with each other. Nowhere else. Like, laughter is really uncommonly yeah. talked about in the Bible. Exceedingly rare, unless you're laughing at a person's failure. But Isaac and Rebecca laughing together, enjoying each other's company, hmm. is such a rare and like, beautiful Synapsis of what uh, a snapshot of what I think biblical marriage should be, but almost never was. Yeah, sorry for keeping on that tangent. Well, and, and even like you see in the Old Testament, you know, there's a lot of polygamy, but it's right. not that God was permitting it, it was just that it happened. And right. you often see the challenges sure. with that, and almost every time you see someone having multiple wives, there's some sort of issue. Oh, yeah, Jacob, Abraham, David, yeah. Solomon. <laughs> I remember the first time I really learned about John Mark Mm. and it was under a pastor who was a failure himself. Mm. And there's certain points in my life where I have been 
a failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we talked earlier about how it was a failure morally. Right. There was right after my mom passed, I really, you know, I, I realized life is short mm. and I was in a very well-paying job mm. that was not in entertainment. Mm. And I originally took it thinking this will give me the money mm. to be creative, mm. but it was zapping all of my time, all of my energy, all of my efforts. And I was not becoming that at all. And I really wanted to get back to what I came to LA for. Mm. And so I, within a matter of months, left the job Mm. and I prayed about it. Mm. I fasted about it. I absolutely believed that God was leading me to leave that job. Mm. To this day, I still feel that way. Mm. And I, I still struggle understanding why it didn't work out. Mm. I, I kind of see how it didn't work out. Right. But I'm still struggling with the why of like, God, you led me to leave that job. Mm. That job was literally killing me. Mm. It was, there was so much strife because they put me on a team where there was very little work for me to do. And I kept saying, put me on a different team. And they finally did at the end as I was on my way out the door. Mm. Other team members would get upset and they'd want me to do work that wasn't in my job description that runs contrary to the way my brain works. Mm. And I'd tell them I would rather jump out this window to my death than do that work. Sure. And they'd be, don't be melodramatic. It affected my bonus. It aff- I, there were so many things. I was, I was like, I am out of here. Sure. And I believe God led me out of there. But then my plan to keep myself afloat didn't work. Mm. And within a couple of months, I lost my apartment. Mm. Very expensive apartment in Glendale. Very nice apartment in Glendale. Mm. I loved entertaining there. It was sure. a perfect space for me. But I, I lost that. Mm. And... I got behind on my my car. Mm-hmm. It got repoed. Mm-hmm. I only owed a, a few grand left on it, but mm-hmm. I just didn't have that money. Sure. And so I lost my car. So I'm homeless. And I had one friend from church who was like, you know, if you need it, my house is always open to you. Mm-hmm. And then they were afraid I would get comfortable there. So they concocted oh. this plan where you can stay for a week, but then you have to leave for a week. And they tried arranging where I was going to go. Mm. And then you can come back for a week and then you have to leave for a week. And then you can come and stay for a month to house it for us while we go out of the country. <laughs> oh boy. And then after that, it's done. You have to leave. It's, you can't come back. I mean, the first idea sounded great. And then there's like, but we'll, only, we'll let you stay longer just because we need you. Right. And it was interesting because I did some house sitting after that. Right. And there was such a contrast because this other, the other couple that had me house sit and dog sit, they paid me. Right. They made sure the food was full. They were like, let's go to the grocery store. What do you like? Oh. Anything in the fridge you can have. Mm. There's maybe one or two things they said, don't touch those. Right. But they were like, anything you want. And there, I was well fed. Mm. I was paid. Mm. So I had money to do things with. Mm. And it was a contrast to this couple who not only didn't pay me, but they cleared out the cabinets before they left so they didn't even leave me any food and i don't think i was even on like food stamps or anything at the time so i'm literally like how am i going to eat 
eat right as i'm supposed to be trying to figure out how i'm going to get work sure i almost i actually had a couple of nights before and after that i slept in my car mm. i almost gave up and left la which was mm. the last thing i wanted and then uh some friends actually were like we're going to give you six months uh we're going to give you 500 dollars a month mm. hopefully that'll get you back on your feet the place i could get for 500 was a couch in a garage that wasn't even fully converted mm. so it was open to the elements mm. in south central under the landing path of lax loads of fun and i really at that time started just developing this really really deep depression mm. There would be days that I would just not leave the couch mm. on my iPad playing mm. a video game mm. just because I can at least win in the game. Right. I can't win in life, but I can win in the game. Sure. And then from there, like I was only there for a few months until the that guy was getting married. And then I moved into a, a converted living room back mm. in the valley, not too far from here. Mm. That was around that same price mm. and that was going well for a little bit i was getting a little bit of work coming in just to, you know just enough like i i was starting to, sure. to recover sure i had to get a co-working membership and and that helped too that actually really helped my mental health is getting out of the house and, and being around people and having fast internet mm. and being able to actually work and and network and connect with people mm. but then i would not be getting quite enough money and mm. and i'd have to put money toward the we work instead of the rent and then mm. my my roommate was getting upset at me and and then he was wanting to raise the price on the room mm -hmm. and so i just literally i remember i was a month behind on rent and i just cut and ran mm. and that was actually at the point where my dad and i were driving out mm to Missouri mm -hmm. and I was effectively homeless. Mm. I knew that after this trip, I was, I had nowhere to go. Mm. I didn't know what I was going to do. Thankfully I had a couple people that offered to let me couch surf mm -hmm. and I kind of bounced between a couple of people. And then I had my first retina detachment mm. and I'm recovering from surgery, getting back to work. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, the pandemic happened mm. And I made the stupid mistake of moving in with someone mm. that I just started dating, Ooh. which I had been saying for years, like, oh, do not move in with someone no. you're not married with, right. married to, right. if you're dating. Like, it's it. you actually are statistically making a bad move because sure. you increased your chance of divorce right. if you get married later mm -hmm. from 50% to 80 or 90%. Yeah, and to be honest, it was a moment where I was justifying sin. Mm -hmm. Because I was, I was sinning. Sure. I was thinking it's two weeks to slow the spread, right? right. Thinking at least I'll have a nice bed mm -hmm. instead of a couch. Mm -hmm. You know, I can recover. Like, I had all these things that I justified moving in. Sure. And then, of course, we know it lasted a lot longer. Mm -hmm. I was there with her for almost a year until we broke up. And then even then, it was a few months before I moved into this place. Sure. The first few months with her were really good. And then it became very emotionally abusive mm. and toxic mm. eventually we moved out and then i supposedly led her to christ mm. later on tried being friends there was a lot of convolution and mm. then you know i i don't need to go beyond no, that in the story but 
that process where I lost my apartment was about four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was five years since my mom died. So I think it's four years. Yeah, it's about four years since I lost my apartment. Mm -hmm. So now I've gone from in the past being a moral failure to Mm -hmm. I'm now a financial failure. I took a risk, left a job, thought I had a solid plan, a multi-tiered plan, and everything that I was trying to spin up went nowhere. Mm. And so when I talk now about I have a self-confidence issue, it's not that I have issues with my ability, my skill set. Right. I know where my talents lie. Right. I know what I'm good at. I know where maybe I'm slow and need help with, but I know that I am a creative individual. Mm-hmm. Where I have issues is believing that it will matter. Mm-hmm and that it will gain traction mm. and that I will have any type of a financial benefit sure. instead of it being a financial drain right. on me. Right. Because, you know, it, it takes money to make money. Sure. And, but at a certain point, you need to actually make the money. Right. And at what point are you a successful business person and a successful creative business person right. versus just someone who's a drain, a dreamer? Yeah. Is that how Mark comes in? Yeah. The first time we, we definitively see him right. is in Acts 12. And it's when Peter had been in prison mm-hmm. and an angel came mm-hmm. and released him. Sure. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who is also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Mm. So we we find out his his mother Mary, uh, not obviously the, the there's a lot of Marys. There's a lot of Marys in the Bible. But this oh my this woman is fairly wealthy, right. it seems. She has a servant, she has a large house. Uh, we don't know whether or not it's the house where the Last Supper happened right. or not? Or Anti- uh, not Antioch, uh, Pentecost. Yeah, that's probably where where Pentecost was happening. Right. Uh, so there, there was this was our first introduction, official introduction to him. Although there, there is speculation that he is mentioned in the Gospel of Mark right. as unnamed, and, uh, and there's some interesting. There, there's. Can we get a real quick side? Just real quick sidebar in that one because it's sure. really funny. Do you want to read the? Uh, I would love to read it. Go, Do you go, where go it ahead is? and read it. Is Mark 14, 14 verses 50 to 52. Beautiful. I'm reading from the New King James because I also did Awanas, and that's all we did. Then they all forsook him and fled. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body, and the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. And because he's utterly nameless for a lot of pastors, this this very well could be John Mark, yeah. the guy who wrote that gospel. There was something I was reading last right. night. I don't want to get too into it, but they were mm-hmm. actually looking at the verbiage of even like the linen sheet, the right. specific original language that right. was written in there. That's It's a not commonly used mm-hmm. word in the Bible. Mm. And the other place it's used is actually... Just a little while later, if I rem- I might be remembering this wrong, but it's just a little while later when the women meet the man in the garden, and he's like, "Oh, he's not here; he's risen." Uh huh. And they, or no, it's the the 
the linen that's being uh, referred to is also it's like a burial cloth or right. something. So there was it's more of a representative of it, but mm. at the same time, it's on, this character is only in Mark. There right. there is a good chance, and and it's the kind of funny thing that would have happened to a kid. Well, and it's also if this is Mark, right? You see him running away, right? And that is exactly what he does mm-hmm. when he's with Paul and Barnabas sure. on the first missionary journey. Sure. So they went from Jerusalem to mm-hmm. Antioch mm-hmm. to Cyprus. Mm-hmm. And in Cyprus, they had an issue with a false prophet. Right. And then... Chapter 15? 13 is... We, we see again that they had John with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in verse 13 of chapter 13, it says... Now, after Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It was interesting going over this last night, trying to make sure that I had like what I remembered was correct. Right. And everyone keeps saying, well, we don't know why he left. And there's all this speculation mm-hmm. that, oh, he disagreed with Paul about this, or there was this over here. But... From what I understand, the road between Pamphylia mm-hmm. and they were going to, where was it? They were going to uh, Antioch. Apparently, that road, and this, this was how it was originally taught to me, mm. and and I did find that there are, are other people that, that, that see this, mm-hmm. but not a lot. That road was dangerous mm. treacherous and filled with robbers mm. interesting it doesn't specifically say mm. so we really don't know right. and it's hard to preach it's always dangerous to argue from but science and scripture i am in agreement with what was taught to me mm. when learning about john mark he had just seen this big battle with this false prophet right. in cyprus and he saw the road ahead Mm-hmm. He's like, we're going to get robbed. Mm-hmm. We're going to like, we're we're going to get beaten. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to like, someone's going to fall down a cliff. Right. Like it, it's a it was a physically treacherous road sure. too. And he just bailed. Sure. He got scared. It wasn't that he was a mama's boy. Right. No, he got scared. Right. And he ran away. And so if the the young man in Mark is John Mark. Mm. This is the second time right. he's turned tail and bolted right. out the door. Established pattern behavior. Regardless of why, mm. there were consequences. Sure. There was fallout. Right. I I saw this for myself. When I left my job, I was in leadership in one of my churches. Mm-hmm. I, it was uh, a, a church where we had two different studies. Mm-hmm. And in my study, my main study, I was running the men's ministry. Mm. And because the pastor's older, uh, and also because of situations where we couldn't be on one of the studio lots anymore, right. we combined just one study. And there was already a men's group in that study that was going strong. In fact, I even was humble, humble enough to say that they did a better job than me. I saw it as, hey, pastor, we need to sit down and we need to talk about, like, where do I serve now? Because right. I'm in leadership and what I was doing, there's not a need for now. So now where do I fit in in mm-hmm. this 
picture mm-hmm. of this new combined study. And he, at the time I submitted, mm-hmm. now I, I disagree with his decision, but mm-hmm. it's still his ministry, sure. so it, it's up to him yeah. eventually. As but long as you're under his authority, you still it, Yeah, it's completely under his authority. I, I just think he was misguided in... But he, he and I are very similar, mm. and so I think he sees a little too much of himself in me, I and, I feel. and I think he might judge me because of that. Sure. But he basically said, while you are in this financial position where I had other people from the study having mm. to keep me afloat, like I said, they gave me money so right. I could have somewhere to live to get back on my feet, right. is like, as long as you're in that position, I can't have you up front and leading. Because he thought it was a validation of my bad decision. Oh, okay. And my failure. Mm. And that messed me up Mm. because it actually caused me to go, well, I'm no longer in leadership. So I now have, you know, because when you're in leadership, you have that higher standard. And I was like, well, I'm not in leadership anymore. So I guess I can sin. Mm. And it was such a messed up way of thinking. But. I allowed myself to go down certain paths that I wouldn't have had I still been in leadership. Mm. And and it also just hurt. Mm. It really hurt because I met with him for the purpose of how do I now serve? Right. And it's like, oh, no, you're not going to. I'm taking you out. Mm. And it's not the only time. I actually have had things in the past at my old church that I actually stopped going to church for a few months because of mm. what happened. I was It was a new pastor came in. I'd been doing video stuff. I learned how to be a filmmaker because of that first mm. pastor. New pastor came in, wanted to take it up a level. Mm. And then we did one video right. and it was a little bit more than he expected it to cost. Mm-hmm. And he wanted me to start doing a style of video I didn't want to do. Mm. And we just clashed. He goes, you're no longer doing this. Mm. And I completely left the church I grew up in because mm. of that. Sure. And so... I've got multiple failures throughout my life where I like left church because of disagreement sure. and I got removed. And now I'm in this other thing and I made a decision mm-hmm. and that I felt God led me to make and I'm getting removed from leadership completely. Gotcha. And I'm still not in leadership in that group now. Mm. John Mark had the same thing happen. Mm. And this is what happens in Acts 15. Mm. This is the disagreement with Paul and Barnabas mm. who were tight. Right, Barnabas was the son of encouragement and basically the type of person that everyone should strive to be sure all right this is in acts 15 verses 36 to 40 now after some days paul said to barnabas let us return and visit the brothers in every city in which we proclaim the word of the lord and see how they are and barnabas wanted to take john called mark along with them also side note is it's believed that Mark is also Barnabas's cousin. I think so that may have been why. Mm. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And I think that the wording there actually leads me to believe it wasn't a disagreement with Paul no, no, no. that he left. It was literally he abandoned them. Sure. Well, also I was while we were at one point I was I was flipping back. In chapter 14 in Iconium is where Paul got stoned. So in a way, Mark was right. He was right. If, if, if your theory was correct that he abandoned because he was scared that they'd get injured, he was right. But by the same token, he betrayed 
Paul and everyone else. It 100% makes sense, everybody's reaction. Yeah. Except for Barnabas. I have no idea who he was. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing on, and there was such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Mm. It's probably exactly the way I felt when my mm. pastor said, I can't put you up front mm. when you're destitute mm. is exactly how John Mark felt when Paul, mm-hmm. the superstar of the church, yes. was like, no, you mm. screwed up. Mm. And because of that, you're not good for anything. Mm. You should not come. Mm. On this trip. Mm. I don't know how much time had passed between the two. Mm. Um, and there's not much said. Right. But we do get some glimpses mm. of later on. Sure. In Colossians 4.10, mm. Paul says that he's sending Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, mm-hmm. whom you've received instructions. And if he comes to you, welcome him. Mm-hmm. So he's sending him with a good report. Mm-hmm. In Philemon, verse 24, he says that he lists Mark in with a bunch of people and then says, my fellow workers. Mm -hmm. So he is identifying Mark as a fellow worker. Mm -hmm. And then the big one is in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Mm. And this is the end of Paul's last letter. Mm shortly before he is put to death. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying goodbye, as, as we had commented before. Right. Be diligent to come to me soon, for Demos, having loved this present age, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. And, hmm. and I also pulled out the, a few of the other translations, especially the Amplified Classic has it, for he is very helpful to me mm-hmm. for the ministry. Hmm. So we can see just by this that that rift between the two hmm. mended hmm. and that Paul was able to see that John Mark was able to not be a complete failure, right. that he could be a leader, hmm. that he could be impactful for the gospel and for Christ. Sure. Would you say he had an eternal impact? (laughs) Uh, John Mark having an eternal impact? Take your pick. I think that Barnabas had an eternal impact on Mm -hmm. John Mark. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my action points I'll Mm -hmm. hit later. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know how much Paul had an impact. Probably, I'm sure there was an impact. I'm sure there there was. Well, there was definitely a negative impact earlier on, and that also that that shows what even even people filled with the spirit can make bad decisions. But the thing is, no one is considered to be in in fault in in acts. It just says this happened. Yeah. It very well could have just been an issue where there was a personality difference. That's why Paul said, very well could have been why Paul said later, and I want to say it was Romans, as much as is dependent on you, live yeah. at peace with one another. Yeah. And he could have gotten to that point because of his different issues with John Mark and right. maybe some others. And sure. Paul was a disagreeable person, I've noticed. He was. Well, it's interesting. I remember there was a study I went through where 
like he talks about that he's not very attractive right. and he, he has a stutter. stutter yeah. And then someone said, if you were to cast him in a Hollywood movie, mm-hmm. he's Peter Dinklage. Well, it was <laughs> the person that was said to me was Woody Allen. Oh no. Oh, that's and too... immediate. That oh. is now who I think of. I oh, think of Woody no. Allen when I think of Paul. Oh no, that's awful. Oh, no, I hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> but which is probably how Paul was. Oh, he rubbed no. people the wrong way. Oh, he got this. himself stoned in places. He oh. got, you know, oh, he no. was very bold. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm never going to look at the Bible the same way again. <laughs> you, you've left an eternal impact on me. <laughs> Is that an eternal impact or just an everlasting one? Yes. Aaron, earlier you mentioned action points, and I'm curious, what exactly are the action points you've got for this particular episode? Yeah, I've got a couple of takeaways that Mm. I see primarily in John Mark, but then also even a little bit in my life. Mm. And there's two of them. Mm. And the first one is that just because you've messed up Mm. maybe more than once does not mean that you're disqualified. People say all the time, God is the God of second chances, but it's more like third, fourth, fifth. You know, another way to say this is our past failures did not define our future. Mm. So we we see this with with John Mark. We, we see this with, with me where like I've messed up mm. morally. I've messed up financially. I've, I've messed up, you know, in various areas of my life. And yet... I can still be used. Sure. Now, if it is a sin issue, right. there may be certain areas mm. that we won't be able to, to like do. closed off to you. There, there may be a barrier. There may be a closed door there. Right. There may be a specific ministry or a specific city or, you know, there, sure. there just may be something right. that... God will say no, or even the law of man. Just because God has forgiven you doesn't mean he's going to allow you to do what you previously did. There are consequences right. to action. Absolutely. There, you know, so if it's a sin issue, there may be a consequence to that sin. Sure. God may say no in this area, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you cannot be used. Right. If you are willing to be used mm-hmm. and you are willing to submit to his will mm-hmm. and his authority, he will find a way to use you. Right. The second thing that I saw is that we need to be investing in those in our lives mm. who have failed mm. in order so that they may be faithful right. in the ministry in the future. What was it? I think Paul said later, uh, help bring a sinning brother to redemption or repentance or something like that. There, there's that. But even if it's not a, a sin issue, it's mm. just someone has failed. Sure. And you saw like Paul is willing to just like dismiss him. But right. Barnabas, I really see that what Barnabas did there was a discipleship. Mm. Barnabas came along John Mark and said, I see your potential. Mm-hmm. I see who you could be. Mm-hmm. But I also see your rough edges and and you have some issues mm-hmm. now in who you are now. Right. And we need to work on those. And as if you're willing to work on them, then I'm willing to mentor you. Right. And so I really think that Barnabas invested mm-hmm. in John Mark mm-hmm. 
and really helped mold him mm-hmm. into the person that became faithful in ministry. Sure. I think a lot of his encouragement of others probably rubbed off on John Mark. And mm. so now John Mark becomes this type of person who is probably encouraging others sure. and, and helping to really change the face of how people interact with each other. Right. It's more than just a, you know, a little thing. It's a full on investment. Right. And if he eventually did become more like Barnabas, that would also help explain why Paul was willing to reassociate with them because uh, Mark reminded Paul of his friend oh. who I think had died by this point. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I believe church tradition say that Barnabas had died before Paul. And also, you know, I look at, at my life and the situation I explained earlier about how I basically got, oh, well, you made this bad decision. I got to mm. remove you from ministry. And if... Instead, it had been, well, let's to really take a look. You Do you really believe that God led you to leave? Like, how mm. did you fail? And how could those around me have helped me recover from my failure faster? Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that people haven't mm. helped me. I mean, even this, you know, being here right now, our, our good friend Tony helped me reorganize this right. room. So I actually had space to work and do production stuff in here. Sure. And because I had to move the, my bed used to be right here, right, right. cutting the room in half. Sure. And now I've got all this space because it's moved over there. Right. Now you got that open layout thing. That always it's completely up. open. I thought I had an open layout beforehand, right. but it wasn't as open as it sure. is now. And then, uh, you know, I had the, the people who did help me like financially get back on my feet mm-hmm. and, and the people who helped me with staying on their couches. Even the couple that wasn't super great about how they did it, they still helped you. Exactly. So there are examples of that, but I've never had, I've had like in one point in my life and and he's going to be a a guest on this show. I have had a mentor, Mm. but it was kind of limited in scope and limited in time. And like in my career, I've never had a mentor Mm -hmm. and I've never really had someone that sits down with me on a weekly or at least a monthly basis Mm -hmm. to find out, hey, where are you in scripture and really, really disciple me. Mm -hmm. Like someone, someone solid I haven't had since I was much younger. Sure. And even now in my Mm forties, I know that's something that's lacking. Mm -hmm. And if someone had been willing five years ago, four years ago to really come alongside me and invest in me spiritually like where would i be sure part of that may be maybe me i think i present a i've got it all you know under control right persona so i think a lot of people think i don't need help or i don't want help right but I'm the first person to admit when I do need help, mm. but I'm also not letting my lack of help stop me. Sure. Like this show is an example. I didn't have three good cameras. I didn't have right. the money for this studio. So what did I do? I really felt God was saying, well, you have one good camera, right? You have a good phone camera mm. and, and you have an okay third camera. <laughs> Put those table. And, and well, this was something I, I had to invest in. Oh, okay. I actually sold some of my my GameStop stock. <laughs> really, GameStop? Because I had most of what I needed. Right. I had my main light, but I didn't have like the soft box for right. it. So, or the big C stand. So I, I bought some of the peripherals that mm-hmm. all together came to about $1,000. Sure. 
I just had to to fill in what I was missing sure. with equipment. I sold some of that because I wanted to do what I could. I didn't have money to buy everything I wanted, right. but I was very uh, specific about I have a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where can that money be effective? What are things I don't have that I need? Right. And I positioned it there, and I believe God is blessing that. I know that I could use that type of you know someone really investing in my life but more than that who are people in my life that i need to be investing in? right that i need to be taking aside and like how can i take my biblical knowledge and mm-hmm. my spiritual wisdom that god has given me and help you grow in your faith sure. and help you maybe learn from some of my mistakes right and so that you don't have to fail in this area, in this area, in this area, like I did. Right. I, I think that's almost more. We a lot of times, even just me talking, I immediately defaulted to, oh, well, I didn't have anyone invest in my life, so I'm not going to invest in anyone else. Well, not that, but just I didn't stop to think. Oh, well, maybe I need to be doing investing in other right. people, and and. That's how we all maybe should be thinking sure. is, is investing in people that we see failing. Right. Because all so many times we just see the failure. Right. And we don't see the future. Right. And our influence and our investment and our love in their life could be what helps them get there quicker. Sure. Or at all. Right. And by the same token, sometimes you need to ask a person to mentor you. Yeah. You can't, you can't rely on them to make all the first moves. And as one of my pastors always says, make sure it's not someone exactly like you. No, no, That no. doesn't have the same sins because if it's the same sins <sighs> then you just, and you say, hey, I'm thinking about doing X. And they're like, oh, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. But if you get someone whose their sin is Y, right. they're like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. So, Aaron, thank you for... Letting me come on by and interview you. Thank uh, you for allowing me to be a guest on my own show. In your own apartment. <laughs> in my own apartment. <laughs> if this ever needs to happen again, God forbid if it does, I'd be happy to be on your Rolodex of people to call. I will either call you or Ghostbusters. Both work. I don't know why I made that joke. <laughs> and cut. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Eternal Impact. Let's give Ken a round of applause for stepping in as host so that he could interview me about my life and the life of John Mark. I think I've done enough talking today, so let me tell you about our next episode. We will be sitting down with Karen Covell, the founding director of the Hollywood Prayer Network. For the last 20 years, she has been bridging the gap between thousands of prayer warriors around the world and professionals working in the entertainment industry. We will hear about her story, as well as the story of Esther, a woman in the Old Testament brought to a foreign land who needed to find her influence and power while not losing focus on what God wanted her to do. I can't wait for this episode. Please do not miss it. Make sure to subscribe and share this show with your friends. For more information or to join our email newsletter, visit our website at eternalimpact.show. Until next episode, I am Aaron Matthew Kaiser, and this is Eternal Impact.